Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC. It's Review from the Terrace, a pop culture podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Still Game podcast. My name is Bethany Tenick. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable. Hello and welcome to Review from the Turnbuckle. Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows, classic albums, peak era wrestling and so much more. Some intern got fired for that. Like, <laughs> like, Jared! And what would you have done? <laughs> Loved it. What a moment. What a moment. Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals, pals, misfits and special guest interviews. The one and only Ewan Angus. Big G Telfer. Director of Snow Games, Michael Hines. That's Review from the Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week. Hi, neighbour. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. It's been a long time, man. <laughs> Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of this. It's about 35. <laughs> <laughs> Find us on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter bonus edition, the first bonus edition in the near, I don't know how many years we've been going with this podcast, but this is a landmark edition of the Newcastle Natter because it is a bonus edition. This is the podcast in which we truly jump the shark. This is like Hollyoak after, Hollyoaks after dark Yeah, baby, for, for younger listeners. And, uh, and our international listeners. Uh, that voice you can hear is uh, Paul Doolan. Hi. Hello, Paul. And I'm also here with Dave Watson. Hi. How have you guys been since we finished recording the last podcast roughly 90 seconds ago? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm still bunged up with cold, though. That's not improved. No, not in the last 90 seconds. I've got COVID. You keep saying that, but I've not seen any proof. Okay. What do you want me to do? Get my dick out? <laughs> I think this is a bonus part, yes, but also yeah. a live lateral flow test. Sure. We can try anything out on the bonus. We can try anything out. So um, in the last podcast, there was an awful lot to talk about, and that is why we were doing this bonus one. Uh, we didn't even get to. I mean, we said that all we've signed is Joe Willock in the transfer window. That is not true. We didn't even get to possibly the biggest signing in the history of Newcastle United. We signed Santiago Munoz. Mm. The uh, drum begins. Yes, this has been <laughs> this has been a big new. A news story in uh, for football fans around the world. It's one of the only things that's made anyone pay attention to Newcastle in recent weeks is the fact that we've signed someone whose name sounds a little bit like the lad from the film Goal. It sounds a lot like the yeah. lad from the. It's only one letter difference. 
Uh, Dave, what percentage do you think the decision to sign him was guided by his name? (laughs) 0.1. Do you think think it's just a coincidence? Yes, because do you honestly think that um, Charnley, Ashley, um, any of that crowd have any amount of sentimentality? No, it is purely because he looked okay for Santos. One thing I did want to mention, though, is Santos is owned by the Orlegi Group, and the Orlegi Group was the uh, Mexican organization who were looking into buying Newcastle United. And I'm not saying that there's another takeover story to be had here. But there might be another takeover story that you had here. I think the big thing to comment on, he's got very Ayose Perez levels of hard-looking hair. Yes. And that has to be good. Yeah. I mean, Surely surely it's not uh, a ridiculous thought that in the era of moves being done just for PR this might have been a move that was done for PR? No, because public relations suggests that you care about your relationship with the public. Yeah. Mike Ashley, Charnley and Keith Bishop do not care about their relationship with the public. They don't. They don't give a shit. He's looked okay. If, If he was called Santiago Munoz and was terrible, we wouldn't have signed him. Sure. I mean, if we were looking well, to get... Have a, you seen uh, our, our signings over the years? <laughs> <laughs> I think if we were maybe looking to get a bigger following in Mexico, then maybe it could be like when Man U started signing Asian players in the late 90s who were never going to get on the pitch. But yeah. it doesn't feel... I think what it is, it's a bigger thing of... Uh, what's the Steve Nixon starting to look at taking place directly from South America. Like we had Vilka from Peru and now this. Mm-hmm. I think the only way the name might have played a difference is in convincing him to come to us over other European clubs. Mm. He's spoken well in the interviews that I've seen of him. Um, and it's interesting that there was an article, I think it was the, in The Athletic, where the... the, the um, I can't remember his name. Basically, the guy in charge of loaning him out from Santos said that he doesn't just want to report on like how many goals he scored or anything. He wants to know like how many, you know, when does he turn up for training? What's he doing in his in his home life? You know, they want a, a more holistic report on how this young lad, move, like nineteen year old lad, moving across from Mexico to to Europe is going to fare. In the in the bigger leagues, because Santos are setting themselves up as very much a we're a, 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 a we are going to create lots of stars for you know Mexican teams and further abroad, and if they can start selling players to European football teams, that's a cash cow that they will milk until it's dry. Um, so yeah, it, it's interesting. I don't think he's going to be making appearances for the first team anytime soon, um, unless he, you know, unless he rips it up in the the under twenty threes. But then Vilka hasn't, and he's off. Is he going to Rotherham or Doncaster? Doncaster Rovers. Uh, Puerto Rico Vilka is going to be playing for Doncaster Rovers on loan until January. The dream. <laughs> the dream. The dream ends. <laughs> I mean. I, one player I haven't heard about for a while, he's not going on loan anywhere, is um, Elliot Anderson. Wasn't he supposed to be like our like most exciting youth player in a while and was mm. a potential? I remember hearing that people were surprised that we'd signed Valker because Elliot Anderson was such a good youth player, could be a good number 10. I mean, I suppose part of it is the fact that we don't play a number 10 at the moment. But, um, there was, yeah. there was talk about him potentially going out on loan uh, this window, but it hasn't happened. Um, look, he's, he's still a young lad. Um, I, I wouldn't. Uh, he might. He might make appearances in the cup games or something if we get past the first round that we play in. Um, well, he might. Speaking of going out on loan, uh, 
at all hail Teague on um, Twitter says, why do you guys think Matty Longstaff never got a chance under Bruce? Our midfield is absolutely horrible these days. Why not give him a game or two before sending him out on loan? It is, I mean, the curious case of Matty Longstaff. What what happened last season? No, I mean... I'd say both Longstaff's up to a point. Sean Longstaff seems to have only just been able to force his way back in. Matty's a weird one. He's getting overlooked for players like Shelby and Hendrick. And we're told it's because he's not got the energy to play that role in the middle. You look at Shelby and Hendrick, they have not got the legs of Matty Longstaff. I'm wondering whether something happened with Matty Longstaff that we don't know about. Bruce's daughter. Bruce's daughter, (laughs) it's got to be. But the fact that he wasn't even on the the bench, I know there was the whole contract dispute, but it can't be just out of spite that he got frozen out. When you no, know, but it might. Was it Udinese a year ago that he nearly signed for? Yeah, he was nearly. He was going to play in Syria. A. He was very close to playing in the top Italian league just over a year ago, and now he's on loan at Aberdeen. I mean, I I would question if because of because that move didn't transpire and because he. Um, because he's still at the club, it might be that his behaviours have not endeared him to the coaches and the the first team manager. Um, I, I, I honestly, I don't know. It's speculation, isn't it? But there's something. Yeah. There's clearly more to that story than we know about. There must be. Yeah. Surely, I think we'll file that under. Shag I mean, Bruce's the other option daughter. as well. He may just not be good enough. I mean, there's plenty of players who have an amazing debut. David Edgar. Yeah. Very similar scoring against Man U as well, wasn't it? I'll tell you what it does say is we as a club just have for years and years and years just such a poor record of nurturing. Yeah. We lost one to Liverpool this week. Uh, Steve Clark, not Steve Clark. Uh, Lee Clark's son is meant to be a very, very promising youth player has moved to Liverpool. Because in the lead-up to the game against Southampton, um, obviously Bruce was asked about Armstrong and said, you know, what do you think about a young Geordie lad going off to make his bones elsewhere? And Bruce implied that he wouldn't have let him go. And I found that odd in in this current climate where not only is he... You know, it was it looked like Matty Longstaff was going to go out the door, and he's he's gone off on loan. But he's letting this young, promising lad go to go to Liverpool, and you know, it, it would have been easier for him to say, "Oh, I wish him well," and all the rest of it. But he, he just seems to dig a dig a hole for himself. I don't. Know, I don't think he could stop Bobby Clark. Is it Bobby? I don't think he could stop him going to Liverpool when they're that age. It's just a. What was it? Compensation fee. I don't think Bruce. You can do Bruce couldn't stop that. And to be fair, as well, Matty Longstaff's only gone out on loan. He's not been sold, so he's still in the setup. Yeah, I think. I, mean, to... I don't agree with a lot of what Bruce says, but I do feel like he had a point with Armstrong and Tony. And it is annoying if you look. Two strikers we've had who have come on to be. So, well, we don't know if they're Premier League level strikers, but they're strikers playing in the Premier League who ripped up the Championship, and we let uh, them go for very little. Yeah, we like if you compare their their records in the Championship to, um, to like Dwight Gale, and yeah, you know, Dwight Gale's still at the club, and you know he's we were getting rid of them when I think we had Hosselu getting in the team. I mean, do I, I think there is a now? case. I know there's a lot of Bruce has to be all terrible and Rafa can't do anything wrong, but I feel like Rafa did drop the ball there. Clearly, clearly. I mean, those. I mean, but it's the club in general. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For, for years and years and years, with young talent, we've either just made what are just obvious mistakes now, selling. Tony and Armstrong and not at least giving them a better chance in the side. Yeah. 
or there've been players who showed a lot of promise and maybe they wouldn't have developed into better players at other clubs, but you suspect, you wonder whether another club could have uh, nurtured the Longstaff brothers into better, better players. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was uh, in his pomp, Sean Longstaff was mooted with a, a £40 million move to Man United. Yeah. Um, and, and yet they, they don't sign bad midfield players. Never it feels like there. he dropped off a cliff almost since that was... I don't know if his head was turned by that or if it just all got a bit too much. I think the other problem with that, we're sure we've discussed this before, the reason we don't tend to bring on a huge amount in terms of youth players is because teams really only bring young players in when they're not... when every game isn't a six-pointer when you're fighting for survival. I mean, you say that, but then you you, you look at um, like teams like uh, uh, Wolves or um, Brighton, um, Southampton do it a lot. There there are teams out there who consistently play young young footballers and, I mean, and most, bring them through. Yeah, most most teams in the Premier League play a lot of really important games. What the bottom eight sides? Uh, I suppose our last, our last two managers have quite often had the feel that they would rather pick six out of ten player than take a gamble on youth. I don't, I don't think we've had a manager willing to gamble on youth for quite a long time. Sure, but I think it's clearly not. It can't just be managers either because it's happened over the years. Those players haven't been sort of yeah. brought forward because even under, I mean, who was the? I mean, I suppose Bobby Robson brought through some. Yeah, we've not really got a great comparatively. We've got a pretty shit academy compared to the rest of the league, well, facilities-wise as well. Yeah, but I even mean, I mean Armstrong was a, an academy player. Ivan Tony was obviously we, we bought him, didn't we? Was it? Yeah, Northampton. I think it was Northampton because it was uh, yes, Thingy right. Carr. Talk, you know who I was thinking for 10 points? Who was I thinking of when I said Torquay? There was a player that we bought from Torquay, a young defender, and I've forgotten his name. Oh, uh, not Dan Gosling. No. Oh. Never Who's mind. From Everton. Right, okay, we'll look it up. So, um, yeah, we bought so we obviously scouted Ivan Tony well and brought him to the club in the same way that we brought in uh Rodrigo Vilka or Valka or whatever it is. But then, you know, we didn't nurture him properly to bring him through. Yeah. I think there was an acknowledgement that our loan system wasn't particularly great, which is why Scholler was brought in as a loan manager. But then you look at the last window and think, does it? Does he know what his job is? Well, I mean, you look at some of the uh, the the rated players that we've had, like Elias Sorensen, and he went off on loan to uh, Carlisle and did nothing. And we we tend to send players to Carlisle. We've done it with a few of our young lads, and they never seem to to benefit from it. So I'm not really sure why we keep doing it. I mean. My approach would be find a team that is going to give opportunities to a young striker or, or whatever. Um, so he's going to get the the game time. Don't yeah. don't send it to a guy who's going, a team that's going to be likely to be in a relegation battle because they, like we, would rather play a six out of ten player than risk it on a young lad. I mean, if you look at it, like some, as I am addicted to doing, um, I'll often look at players' careers on Wikipedia. And and so many players who went on to be England internationals had a lot of loan clubs. I mean, yeah. one being Harry Kane, but players like Peter Crouch or whoever. Yeah. Had a lot of unspectacular loan spells, but just like built up game time moving around. <laughs> that's that's the key. That our players, they, they go off on like, one or two loans then get released and that's it yeah and then get released 
Well, even who's the Rangers captain? Tavernier? Yeah. He's been yeah. there for ages. Seems like yeah. a great player. And who's the Swiss one? Kevin and Barbu. Yeah. We'd have had we're a good just, team. We're just lousy at bringing. Well, speaking of uh, former Newcastle players, this wasn't a youth one, but um, have you seen who Barcelona have signed as their replacement for uh, Messi? I thought this was a joke at first. Yes, I have. I don't think he was a direct replacement. Barcelona... He is the brother of one of the finest footballers in Premier League history. (laughs) Yes, they've just signed Luke Dion, who I believe made something like 11 appearances for us and scored no (laughs) goals. But, he's just but don't have Barcelona have form for buying like pretty shit. But they did it with um, oh, Martin Braithwaite. It was a... amazing. I think plenty of teams have got more out of Luke De Jong than we did, though. I think we I'm just, sure we didn't read the instructions and know what to do <laughs> but, with him. But my point was that Luke De Jong doesn't strike me as a Barcelona level. No, I think that's very no. fair. Sure. It's like when Real Madrid um, bought Julian Faubert. Just weird. Well, um, well let's do some more of this and uh, probably go through your questions on Twitter uh, right after this break. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. I'm going to go straight back on to Twitter. Uh, and read some questions blind. Uh, I've got a question here from Rob Farkerson. Wow, you got it right. I've done it right this week. Uh, Rob Farkerson seems like a nice guy who I've had some conversations with on Twitter, and I now have more nerves when saying his name, but there we go. This was one of the weeks when I think I said it right. He asks, which other character from a film would you sign for the fr- for, for the fringes of the under-23 squad as a pointless, whimsical distraction from your refusal slash failure to do anything useful? Good question. Which other characters from a film would you sign? We should have thought about this. God. Come on, Paul, you're a professional comedy writer. Say something I know, but... Now. I'm a... Am I getting paid for this first? No, <laughs> how, how much effort should I put in? Ooh. I paid anything. I don't know. Send your answers in. Which hilarious answer is there to that question? <laughs> Come on, we could do better than that. What about anyone from sports films? Just to Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct. Yeah, Sharon sign Stone her character. She, yeah, she would. Uh, that would distract. Yeah, she, she would spice things up a bit, wouldn't she? <laughs> Okay. Uh, One Up Gaming says, should we play negative football for the first 10 or so games to try and at least get some points on the board and slowly play more progressive as the season goes on? No, because we're not even good at that. First half against Southampton and not good. He's also got a question which I think we've got before, but it's always worth answering. What's your favourite Newcastle shirt that you have bought yourself? Mine was the all-white 99-2000 shot. Wow, I think I have that at arm's reach down here. One sec. Is it this one? Was that, was that NTL? It's a visual thing for a podcast. Was that an NTL shirt? Brown ale, but you'd think it's NTL. Is it that one? No, it's, yeah, it's the Newcastle brown ale one with the sort of green... Green trim. Color. It looks a little... Yeah, it's a green trim. It sort of looks a bit like a Liverpool shirt. Yeah, I do like it. Bird kit or something. But yeah, it's it's quite a nice top. Um, ice. Here's a sort of serious question, which will um, allow us to talk about one of our favourite topics. Ice Cube Kane says, "How long has Bruce got left?" How long has he got left, guys? I think longer than he would at any other Premier League club. Yeah, we've said it before. Well, I've said it before that the only way he's getting the sack is if we're in the bottom three for a while and look like we're going down. It's the only way he's getting the sack because the only thing that Mike Ashley cares about is protecting us as a Premier League side on on as cheap uh, as possible. 
think I'm I think not... as well. Go on, Paul. As you say, I think as well, Ashley will be less likely to pull the trigger on Bruce after last season when there was the moment of everyone saying that he has to be sacked and then turned it around. So I think it would have to get even... I think as bad as things got last season, if crowds had been in, he would have got sacked then. But I think now he would ride out even that kind of toxic storm this time because Ashley feels like he's proved that that isn't the way to deal with it. Well, also, I think Bruce, you know, he would eventually, no matter what club he's at, he would eventually get sacked. But if... uh, if the circumstances were as they are and the fans weren't so vociferously against him, he could survive at a lot of clubs. Yeah. Any, at any other club with the football being as it is, we're not, we're not going down yet, but um, it's pretty grim and the fans hate him. But I think if you look at his career, there's uh, there's always a regression to bad football, and the fans tend to turn on him. You look at his uh, Aston Villa. You look at him at um, uh, both the Sheffield clubs. You look at him at Sunderland. He's a manager that the fans don't like. Don't tend to take to. And the football gets worse the longer he stays. So he will. I'm not. Uh, I've no doubt that a, if the football continues to deteriorate, he will be fired. Um, he won't quit uh, because he doesn't want to lose his pay. He loves the club and thinks that he can turn it around. Um, yeah, he's he's not going to quit. No, I don't think he will. Probably, I think I think that would depend on how toxic the atmosphere gets, and also the other, the other thing that could persuade the board to get rid of him is just attendances, because if that starts to drop far below forty thousand, suddenly but, but they gave they gave away ten thousand half season tickets uh, before the pandemic, and that was because of people were just not turning up anymore. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we saw a similar decline in, in, in interest and who could blame them. Would would 10,000 pick up the free seat, half-season tickets? I don't think we could afford to be giving them away since COVID either. But I think it's, if that starts to happen, you could see Ashley going, well, Eddie Howe's available for nothing. That would probably fill the stadium more it becomes a financial decision not football in one but then they, we're in a weird situation where one I'd be surprised if Eddie Howe took the job yeah and 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 two I'm, I'm not blaming the fans for this because you know it's an understandable situation the fans are sort of mad some of them are mad at Steve Bruce for not resigning in disgust at Mike Ashley. So then you're sort of saying, logically, anyone who takes on the job of manager of Newcastle under Mike Ashley is immediately betrayed. I don't know. I don't think... I don't think the anger is that he's not walking away because he can't deal with that, with working under Ashley. Like Nobody was saying that about Rafa when he wasn't getting the plays he wanted in the transfer window. I think... Anyone that's saying that is really annoyed that he's not walking away because he's not good enough for the job or shouldn't be in the job. Because, yeah, maybe I'm just talking about some... some I'm sure there's some people sort of conflating it with his professional honour, which is... I don't think Bruce is just sticking around for the money either. I think he believes he can turn it around. And last season he would have in his head as evidence that he can because he has done it once. But I think Dave's right as well. There is a, a common thread through his career that things decline. Yeah. Well, we all, I'd also say to touch on that say. thing about would, would, any, would any manager take on the poison chalice that is Newcastle United and Mike Ashley? And the answer is yeah. 
because Certainly. every I mean, yeah. loads of, sure. no, but I mean, like even right. even decent managers like like Eddie Howe um, would look at Newcastle and be and think, no, no, with those players, I, I could turn it around. With those, yeah, yeah, I'm good enough to turn around because part of being a manager is having that self belief that you are, you know, you are good enough despite any evidence to the contrary. I mean, you look at David Moyes; he took on that West Ham job and. His last few positions were, you know, were were terrible, but he believed in himself, and now he's reaping the rewards. Yeah. So, I think you would look. They, they a manager would it. look at that Newcastle squad as well and see sort of Wilson, St. Maximin, Almiron, good Willock. keepers, Dubravka, Darlow, yeah. um, young players like well, youngish players like Lewis and stuff that they could bring through. I was watching that um, that interview with. Uh, Gary Neville and Roy Keane, and Roy Keane was still talking about he'd love to get back into the game. And oh, I love Roy Keane. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's that self belief that he could, he still got something to offer, and he could still turn things around. And yeah, sure. Um, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the Reverend Joe Kinsella says, if Bruce Ashley et al. Were characters for a TV show or film, what characters would they be? For instance, I can't help seeing Mike Ashley as Baron Von Greenback from Danger Mouse with Lee Charnley as Nero, his pet. Um, That's a good one. I think Mike Ashley, I really like Bobby Hill from King of the Hill, but I find it harder to like him because of how much Mike Ashley looks like him. <laughs> sort of ruined King of the Hill for me. All right. Dave, did you have an answer for that question? I mean, it, it is it is kind of like The Simpsons with Burns and Smithers. Um, obviously, Ashley is the Mr. Burns. He is a evil genius, and Smithers is his, uh, you know, um, Charlie is his little lapdog. Thomas Burkan says, uh, my emotional attachment to NUFC has suffered greatly over the years, and that's not down to NUFC making bad decisions on and off the pitch but to football becoming generally almost entirely about money. So I guess the kids' feelings are just about money in general in football. Uh, it always was a business, but it's gotten out of hand. What about you? So I guess this is a, this is a question about football in general rather than just about Newcastle. Mm. Are you falling out of love with the game, Paul? I think... We, all three of us here, have found ourselves a bit more drawn to non-league football lately. I think part of that, I think if Newcastle were doing well in the Premier League, that might not have happened as much. But I do think the older they get, the older I get, the more grotesque the Premier League starts to seem. And all the money going around in football and what it's used for and the, the people within it, it is a not just money side but morally pretty awful as well and you tend to not bother with that if your team's winning but yeah I kind of agree I think what would have tested me most was if the Saudi takeover had gone through because then I think there's a strong chance I would have just packed it in I think I think for me if it's less about how how well we're doing in the league and more about can I be proud of the club and I find it really hard to be proud of Newcastle United, not just the owner or the players, but the the club as a as an entity. Um, I'm not particularly proud of it. Um, I think the fans, some of the fans are amazing, and I think we've got a really loyal, vociferous, passionate group of uh, men and women who support the club. Some of them are certainly on Twitter are vainglorious arseholes who are more interested in attention that they can get uh, by by tacking along to it. Football as a whole, I think I can separate my enjoyment of it from the grotesquerie, like the the, the likes of Man U and Man City are Liverpool. They're, they're basically playing a different sport um, and let them get on with it. And yes, if we'd been taken over by the Saudis, we would have joined that that bastardized version of the the sport that I love, and so yeah, I, I can still enjoy football because it doesn't have to be about 
winning the Premier League by buying a 36-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo. Like it's not that's not what football is to me. I think what's remained through all the misery is the enjoyment that football gives for me. It's in moments like Matt Ritchie kicking a corner flag into a fan's testicles. And it's quite hard to take that away. Sure. They're and also, like, uh, some maximum dancing past players. Yeah. Um, or Callum Wilson with a diving header. Those are the little moments of football that I can really, I can still get enjoyment out of. And in those moments, I don't think about Saudi takeovers or Mike Ashley or, or Lee Charnley or any of the rest of them. I just think about that moment and that's where oh. I can get my joy. Or St. Maximin, we didn't even mention this in the last podcast. We talked about the last two games. We never even talk about the goals that we actually score anymore. St. Maximin <laughs> scored a goal and then did a flying kung fu kick in celebration. That was enjoyable. Um, I like the way you're having a go at Newcastle fans for not discussing the goals we score on the Newcastle podcast you host. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, what? No, I'm saying I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. It yeah. sounded like you're railing against fans these days not discussing the goals, having not done it yourself. No, I mean, it was railing against us for not discussing it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I tell you what, the Euros, watching the Euros this summer, I, I got some quite sort of pure enjoyment out of that. Watching our fans smash Wembley up. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no. What I mean is when you talk about money and football and stuff, and obviously there is a lot of money in the international tournaments and it is ultimately run by UEFA and FIFA, but just the the purity of nation states playing each other at football. <laughs> uh, the, the idea that you're not like a country's, well, I suppose a country could get bought out by some billionaire, but like, you know what I'm talking about. The, yeah. The, the, we sort of international football, you're not doing it for the money, you're doing it for the love of the game. And I think that England squad especially felt like such a nice bunch. And it feels like that's something <laughs> just had chaps. They're just yeah. lovely boys having fun in the purity of nation state football. And I But I think it. this 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 kind of existential questioning only happens with within fans who are so disenfranchised, so apathetic about their club. I think fans of teams like like Brighton, who can see ambition, who can see mm-hmm. progress, who can enjoy going to a game, even though they will likely finish in the bottom half of the table, they're not thinking about, oh, football's not the game that I remember it and all the rest of it, because they're getting the enjoyment out of the spectacle that they watch. No, I don't think that's necessarily true. Yes, I think you can. I think yes, probably as a Brighton fan, you're like, well, at least I'm getting to watch my team in the top division, which I didn't for most of my time as a football fan. But I think I think a lot of fans at every club, if you're sort of if you've been watching football for a long time, you haven't grown up. If you you know people our age can still remember a time before this fucking madness. So the thing about how much players move for the, the like the, the money in the game, it doesn't bother me really. Like I, I don't care about Mbappe moving to Real Madrid for 220 million. It's not my money. I don't, I don't care. The majority of the money comes from TV deals and the amount that players get paid in wages. I don't care because these are elite athletes at the very top of their game. And if you were to look at how much uh, and a Hollywood actor was being paid to do a movie or a titan of business was recouping for, for his, like his endeavors or her endeavors. Like, I, I don't care. This is what the market says that they're worth. So the market pays it. Um, do I think that that money should be, could be better drip fed down to the, the lower leagues, yeah, absolutely. But uh, like Erling Haaland being on however much he's on, I, th- I don't give a shit. It, does, it doesn't I don't, change I, my enjoyment I, of the game. 
I don't care about that. It's all it's been like that for a long time. And yes, the money is getting bigger and bigger. But what what sort of like I have a lot of distaste about now is things like Cristiano Ronaldo isn't really a footballer anymore. Like he is, but he's like he's just a brand. He's a talisman. He's a but he's a brand. He was signed by Juventus. He was he ended up scoring all these goals and stuff, but it wasn't like a a project. He's passed around giant clubs owned by these sort of like either nation states or whatever as this sort of like huge spinning advert. Do you know what I mean? It's like... It's kind of like Ibrahimovic became. Say that again, sorry? It's sort of like Ibrahimovic became where you're almost like the school hamster for the ultra-rich clubs just going to a different home every other week. But it's like, did Pep Guardiola want Cristiano Ronaldo or did... Uh, the Emirates want Cristiano Ronaldo. Does Solskjaer want Cristiano Ronaldo? I'm sh- I imagine he does, but it's like, it's whichever club he goes to, well, you know, it's it's Cristiano Ronaldo is going to play exactly where he wants to play. He's going to take the penalties and everything's going to be focused around him. And sometimes that's not even going to be the best thing to help that team to win. Yes, he scores 20, 30, 40 goals or whatever. Right. But it's all going to be focused around... Yeah, but did Juventus... He was signed by Juventus to win the Champions League. Did they win the Champions League? No. Did he... Uh, did, well, they, they didn't have, win Serie A. He was, Juventus. <laughs> Say that again? He, him arriving at Juventus coincided with them suddenly not winning Serie A for the first time in however many years. It's, I, he, might, he might be a big player but he is not conducive to being in a team same as Neymar I would say right I I take your point that he is a selfish player but he is still arguably one of the best two footballers on the planet totally my my argument is not Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo is a bad player but he's like clearly one of the best players of all time right that's and still is a phenomenal player my argument is is like he sort of like superseded the sport now where he is just by virtue of who, who he is, he's this huge valuable asset who will like the share price of Man United went up enormously when he arrived at the club, that club. And that was not because people looked at it and gone, Oh, well, Man United are going to win things now because Ronaldo so- It's because he is this huge brand. And that means that, he has to play exactly how everything has to focus around him. And it's it's not even necessarily entirely about football anymore. But then, it's not like it was I, with I David Beckham, but, uh, it, you know. I would argue and that... He if, is, if he... uh, and oh. there are some yeah. <laughs> very, very dodgy things in his yeah. past, it would seem. Yeah. And that I would, is going over. I would just say that... Um, I take on board your points that it, it does become the Cristiano Ronaldo show rather than man, you go for the title or whatever. If his return had dwindled and if he was basically like being wheeled out as a, as like a trophy signing with no end product, then yeah, I would take the point, but he, he does, he is one of the best footballers on the planet. So the Cristiano return is always like, how many goals has Cristiano Ronaldo scored this year? It's not how many things has the club he plays for won this year. And yeah, it's never about it. the team. No, it's I just, think the one, the one that's more depressing in terms of money in the game is Messi going to PSG. That just feels like the whole legacy is destroyed. Yeah, I think I would have had more issue with Cristiano Ronaldo uh, moving to Man City than I do with him going to Man U. Yeah, me too. I, because th- then it would purely be uh, like, like you're saying, like an oil state saying, "Look at my new toy." But Ronaldo is is going to score goals in the Premier League. I know. Uh, I know yeah, you're uh, that misunderstanding my point. It's like, it's, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm. I get, I get what you're saying that it, it is. It's 
he is being wheeled out as a as as a we want to buy and, him because of who he is rather than what yeah. the club and needs. it's not and it's not just Ronaldo. It's like Paul says. It's like it's messy. It's like yeah, yeah like oh, we're going to sign these. Like, wouldn't it be great if we put these three? I think yeah. Ronaldo to Manu at least makes some footballing sense. And there is, although I don't think it's really driving the decision at all. There was a bit of footballing romance there of him going back there. But it yeah. undercuts, like the ethos of Manu was always about bringing through kids. And this is now what Mason Greenwood's going to get in ahead of Ronaldo. <laughs> Mason, Mason Greenwood, he's got like, and, and young strikers at Man United over the last few years. They've had to like it's been Abramovich has come in, Falcao, Cavani, Cavani. and now Ronaldo. All these sort of like phenomenal footballers. It's like a stud farm. <laughs> um anyway, the Man United have basically become the like MLS of the Premier League. Yeah. Yes, I know he will score loads and loads of goals, but he will also take loads and loads and loads of free kicks that will blast over the wall. Yeah. And we all know what he can do from here. Exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Every single time. This is as as I tweeted last week. Every single time. And Man United have with them some great free kick takers who will never get a free kick because everyone the world will be forced to watch the theatre of Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo standing over a free kick, which he will spoon. Okay. Uh, should we go after that little rant? Should we go into um, Life After Love? Yeah. Sure. So I have four. The first one... Uh, just just to mix things up, these aren't all permanent transfers. These are loans as well. Okay, so okay. let's remind the listeners of the rules of life after love. Dave is thinking of a former Newcastle United footballer. He's got to name us the football clubs that that player went to in order after playing for Newcastle United. Myself and Paul Doolan are going to try and guess who that player is. Go. First club after Newcastle was a loan to Barnsley. So when you say after Newcastle, you mean whilst he was in Newcastle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Dan Gosling. No. Fergus? Shola Amiobi. No. After Barnsley, he went on loan to Sheffield Wednesday. So this for all Lazaro? we know, nope. This this could have been before he even made an appearance for Newcastle, right? It could have been. So this in, this includes potentially, you know, it's like someone like Shola going out on loan to places before he even played for us. Yeah. Okay, um, but I don't I don't know I don't know. I know, I know. Give me another one. Okay, and then he made a permanent move to Swindon Town. Danny Griffin, Andy Griffin, Niall Ranger, Fergus Craig. Got it. I got it. I got it. And then he went to. Let me see if I can remember where Niall Ranger went. Prison. Prison. (laughs) South End. Prison. South End. Uh, Blackpool, Southend, Spalding, and uh, he's back at Southend. Spalding, Jesus, big clubs. Hey, you got another so, one for us? Yep. Uh, first move was a loan to Middlesbrough. Um, I don't know. Amiobi. Sammy Amiobi. Oh, I don't know if I can give you that, Fergus, because who did you mean? Paul. Shola. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, I have to be honest. Yeah, it was it was Sammy and the third one. First I think, yeah, I think Fergus only got that because of your reaction, though, Dave. Which Well, what do you want me to do? Because I'm not, said... I'm, I just think Claire Null and Void possibly make me interim winner. Okay. Uh, next one is uh, 
Birmingham City. That's a permanent move. No, alone. Oh, uh, Abathemi Martin. No. Lee Bowyer. No. Second move was a loan to Birmingham City. <laughs> uh, Alan Smith. No. Nicky Butt. No. Third move was a loan to Rangers where he made no appearances and scored no goals. <gasps> Harris Vukic. No. Good guess. Good guess, though. We sent a lot of players to Rangers at the same time, didn't we? Be careful with your mic there, Dave. Um, I don't know. Go on, give us another name. Uh, after Rangers loan, it was a, a loan to Millwall. Shane, Shane Ferguson. Ferguson. Yes. I'm going to give that to Paul. And then the last one. Shane, a little uh, fact about Shane Ferguson when he was on loan at Birmingham City. Joe Kinnear went to scout Birmingham City players and said, there's a good young fullback there. And it was Shane Ferguson who was on loan from Newcastle. <laughs> okay. So, first move after first loan move was Portsmouth. Uh, Lauren Robert. No. Amdi Fay. No. Then and oh, he... yeah. Yes, Fergus oh. has absolutely smashed it. He has. So what I did, well. what I did was choose players that were young that we didn't develop. We sent out on loan, as we were talking about in the previous pod. Mm. Bringing it full circle. And showing circle, once again that there really is life after love. <laughs> okay. Play theme well, tune. That, that brings us to the end of this podcast, the bonus podcast, which may well have been longer than the original. Um, but uh, thank you very much. Uh, we won't bother doing predictions because um, it's the international break. We will That's be coming up view. against Ronaldo. <laughs> so yeah. we'll get to see how shit he is based on Fergus saying he's a shit. I, I'm Laura. not saying he sh- he's amazing. He will score loads of goals. It's yeah. just a... Just, yeah. Go on then. Yeah. Say goodbye. All right. Well, hang, I'll say goodbye when I want to say goodbye, man. Which is so you hang up. Right. <laughs> goodbye, Dave Watson. Love you. Goodbye, Paul Dillon. Bye. Goodbye to you, the Newcastle Matter listener. Goodbye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.